Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, what a Tuesday. J-Mac wearing green live in Los Angeles. It's the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Nick Wright in one hour from now. What a show we have planned. J-Max got his Jets green on. Very fired up. And that's the second biggest story after the Lakers win last night. But, uh, all right. Finally got it done. Trade some pieces. Mostly the compensation looked like we thought it would mostly look like. the Where there's smoke, there's fire. It does appear that most of the trade rumors and draft pick situation was all very much online with what was reported and here we are yeah feel good feel great i did not want rogers for the longest time remember i was an advocate of lamar jackson now that i have rogers let's get those super bowl tickets baby <laughs> let's go fired up Colin. all right let's start with the lakers the lakers game last night gave you really a glimpse of everything the lakers are the good the bad and the ugly um anthony davis got hurt again and didn't play great. Yeah, I've seen that. D'Angelo Russell, a couple of big shots, but had a plus minus of minus 16. Dennis Schroeder, how can you be in the league this long and still make those mistakes? Austin Reeves had moments, but there's clearly a ceiling. He was trying too hard last night. And LeBron saved the day. That's kind of what the Lakers are. They're a very limited offense. It's a, it's a low ceiling offense. With two great players, one brittle, one old and brittle, uh, with a defensive coach. The good news is, thankfully, Memphis is worse. Memphis shot 39% from the field and 21% on three-pointers. John Morant is spectacular. They've got all sorts of offensive issues and a bit of a fraud as a team. They've got depth, but are a long way from contending for a title. Um, The reason, though, the Lakers should be optimistic is that On their good nights, they're very good in the fourth quarter. 
They can hand the ball to still one of the top 10 players in the league, and AD, although not last night, can be a top seven player. And because the Clippers are all beat up, the Suns have old, brittle players, the Warriors are old, and Sacramento's probably too young. So there's a reason some years in the Oscars you have four or five good movies, right, that could win the Oscar. This is one of those years in the Western Conference where, like, American Beauty or uh, The Shape of Water would win the Oscar. There's not a lot of great out there. And the, the Lakers over the last three years, if you really watch them play a lot, LeBron in the last three years since the bubble championship has been waiting for AD to take the baton. He's not going to ever. He did for about three weeks at the end of the regular season. So LeBron kind of, he lets the game come to him. That's why the Lakers are 18th in the NBA in first quarter scoring. LeBron is begging his teammates to get up and going. They never do because Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell, they're bounce around the league guys. But the Lakers are also with all these bounce around the league guys first in fourth quarter scoring. How is it possible? Because LeBron now is a highly efficient player. He starts slow, crosses his fingers that AD stays healthy, and they can take a lead. They usually let him down, so he has to be a good second-quarter player to keep it close in half and a great closer. And last night was LeBron at his best. It had a lot of MJ. Picked his spots, and then at the end of the regulation and in overtime, he was the best player on the floor. 22 points, 20 rebounds, the ultra-rare 2020, and LeBron talked about it after. You know, just trying to be um, as great as I can be offensively, but even more important on the defensive end. And um, so that's, that was the kind of the mindset tonight. When my teammates told me I had 20 and 20, I had no idea that I had 20 and 20. And uh, it's the first time I've done it in my career. I've done a, some pretty good, cool things in my career. I've never had 20 and 20 before, so that was pretty cool, I guess. It feels like this Laker move by LeBron has been two parts. He first comes to L.A. to build up his business, move off a lot of the young guys, get A.D., and it got him a championship. This is the second version of it the last few years where he's waiting for A.D. to take the baton and be the guy because at this point, if you look at the contracts, they're not going to rebuild with stars. They tried the Westbrook thing. It didn't work. Trade deadline, they move parts. It's a lot of Malik Beasley's, Jared Vanderbilt's, D'Angelo Russell, and driven and ascending but limited Austin Reeves. LeBron's wanted to hand that thing over to somebody and be the number two guy, but last night, once again, great late, fourth quarter scoring. They lean into LeBron in year 20, and he delivers. Okay, the Jets and the Packers delivered the trade. So the way it works in the NBA, whoever gets the star in a trade wins the trade. But it's different in football, right? Because football offensively is about choreography. If a quarterback who's pretty good, Russell Wilson, gets a bad coach, Nathaniel Hackett, it gets ugly fast. You can be a really good quarterback and you have a bad left tackle and there's injuries. Matt Stafford, you're banged up. The O-line's banged up. And you can go from winning the Super Bowl to into the tank. So it's different. In the NBA, whoever gets the stars, five B players and draft picks don't equal the star. And there are some potholes for Aaron Rodgers in New York. 
They have a young defensive head coach, defensive head coach that's unproven. The division's good. The conference is great. Ownership, no thanks. And many of the Jets' best players are young, first, second-year players. Not ideal for an old, prickly veteran. But the Jets should still win this trade. And the reason being, they were so bad at quarterback last year, unwatchable to a past-his-prime Hall of Fame-level quarterback who can still on any Sunday be great. That alone should change the culture, the attitude, and the locker room in New York. The fact the Jets won seven games last year is hard to imagine. It's hard to wrap your brain around. They were 29th in scoring. Between the two quarterbacks, they had 15 touchdowns and 15 picks, or maybe it was 14 touchdowns and 14 picks. It was awful. They were second to last in passing touchdowns, and yet they won seven, seven games. It's hard to imagine how they did it. So infusing Aaron into a franchise that has not been on Sunday night football in like 12 years. The Jacksonville Jaguars have won, not just been in, have won three playoff games. Since the Jets were last in the playoffs, the Lions get to the playoffs more regularly now than the Jets. So to go from that quarterback and that offense to Aaron Rodgers, from the optimism, the attitude, the cultural belief, it should really be a game changer for them. But the Packers are on a different timeline. If Jordan Love even becomes Kirk Cousins with a little mobility, they find out by Thanksgiving, we got our guy. He's good enough to win this division. Maybe not every year like Favre and Aaron Rodgers, but he's a franchise quarterback. That's a win for them. Even if they find that out and go 8-9 and nine and don't make the playoffs, there's a feeling of optimism for the Packers. 8-9 and nine for the Jets, the timeline's different. That's a disaster. Aaron may play one year. So when people talk about who won the trade, the Jets have to be great immediately. And there's a chance for it. Going from Zach Wilson, Mike White to this. It should be just a, a, a referendum on new football, optimistic football, home runs, over the top. It's not a complete offensive roster, but it's the difference between a hailstorm and bright blue skies. The day feels different, and it should with Aaron. For Green Bay, if they find out at any point in this season, Jordan Love is good enough to be a franchise quarterback. You know what? Post Favre and Aaron Rodgers, that is a win. And I think it's possible. Maybe probable. I don't know. Here's the GM of the Packers, Brian Gutenkunst, yesterday. Obviously, Aaron was going to enter a time in his career where, you know, he was going to be ending and we had to be prepared for the future and, and get prepared to try to move forward, right? So, um, so yeah, that's, that's part of the National Football League, you know. So um, great players are going to come. They're going to go. Um, and you got to be prepared to, to continue to add good football you know, players to your roster so that your team can win. I've said before. We're really excited where Jordan can go. He needs to play. And uh, having him sit another year, I think, um, would really delay kind of you know, where we're going and what we're trying to build. I've said before, I don't think Jordan Love's going to be a top 8-9 quarterback. If he was, they would have seen it, and they would have not signed Aaron to an extension considering all the drama he created last three years. But I also don't think he's a disaster. An E.J. Manuel, um, you know, a Zach Wilson, where you kind of feel like pretty early, this isn't going to work. 
because then they would have re-signed Aaron again. I kind of feel he's somewhere, Jordan Love, between 12 and 20. And again, if he's 90% of Dak, kind of Kirk Cousins with a little mobility, I think it's a win for Green Bay. And I have no idea if that's true. We've seen virtually no proof he's great or terrible. We don't know. But for the Jets today, you go from that to bright blue skies, feels like a win for them. Um, I mean, look at J-Mac. He wanted Lamar Jackson three hours ago, no. and now he is over <laughs> the moon. It does, but it does feel different. You wake three up in the morning. Ago. Three weeks ago. Yes. I mean, you used to be an East Coast guy. You wake up, gray skies, cold, or you wake up in Manhattan Beach, blue skies. It changes the day. It changes how you feel. Aaron's going to change how the locker room feels. Jordan Love isn't. Like, that's not a bad thing, but like the, the, the Packers have been capable for 20-some years. I think they still feel, hey, we'll be capable. The Jets, again, this isn't a small thing. The Lions and the Jags now are more consistent playoff teams than the Jets. Like, I think Aaron totally shifts the way you think, the way you construct an offense, the, the, the locker room, the culture, yeah. right? I think they clearly passed the Dolphins in the AFC East. That's obvious. They're well, better. Um, and then the question becomes, Buffalo Bills or the New York Jets? And I know you're going to say, oh, it's the Bills. It's Josh Allen. I'll just point out the Jets did beat Josh Allen last year. I forget which bum was starting a quarterback for the Jets, but according to Pro Football Focus, the Jets had the worst quarterback play statistically in the NFL, worse than the Bears, yeah, and won worse seven than games. the Texans, and, and won, won seven, seven games. games. Even if the defense falls off a little bit, this Jets offense with Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They got to get another tight end. We're looking at probably in the neighborhood of 10, 11, 12 wins, and I think that's maybe conservative. I think I think if somebody offers you 11 wins, you should take that right now in the yeah. AFC. You know, uh, the let's Rams, get, let's get Rams the got t- Stafford, and uh, how'd that work out for them? Pretty decent, right? Well, they had an offensive genius at coach. That helps in, a, yeah. in an offensive league. And it does kind of help. And it do, is the NFC. The Jets have Nathaniel Hackett, who is the opposite of a genius. And it's the AFC. I, I've fair. seen the Jets' schedule, not in order, but we know who they play. There's a lot of Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and there's a lot of really good coaches. We also have Sauce Gardner, the best cornerback in the league. (laughs) So other than, Colin, other than the Chiefs and the Bengals, you you tell me who is definitely better in the AFC than the New York Jets. Oh, really? The team that scored 10 points at home against the Bengals in the playoffs? The team that saw Josh Allen regress? Gosh, don't get me started, Cowherd. We got three hours here. (laughs) I'm so armed with all the information on the Jets. It's looking good. You're going to be on that Jets Reddit board the minute no, we go to commercial. I don't, I don't do Reddit, my friend. <laughs> you don't know. Well, I'll just barrage you with text messages <laughs> when the good news rolls in. Oh, Is DeAndre Hopkins next? We'll find out. I don't know. He's a pretty interesting player. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I watched the Milwaukee Bucks meltdown. Tough day for Wisconsin yesterday. Aaron Rodgers officially gone, and the Milwaukee Bucks had one of the great meltdowns uh, I've ever seen. It was like I was watching two games. There was the first game, and then there was the last six minutes of regulation. Uh, What a disaster by Milwaukee. But let's talk Jimmy Butler for a second. He's really now become what we think Kawhi Leonard is. He's just available. He's a great on-ball defender. Um, He doesn't live off the three, though he can hit it. Uh, He's maybe the best get-a-bucket guy in the league. He's shooting 63% in the playoffs. Kawhi and Butler had a little bit of tough childhoods, not recruited by the top schools. They've got a simmering intensity and a chip on their shoulder that's old school. Uh, Like Kawhi, Jimmy doesn't blow you away in the regular season, but the playoffs arrive, and the dude is just a totally different cat. He has scored 40-plus points seven times since he's been in Miami. All seven have been playoff games, and that is really saying something. That's facing the best defenses. Everybody's equally rested, the best coaching staffs, and he goes to another level. But the difference between Kawhi and Jimmy Butler is Jimmy is engaged, and he talks a lot, sometimes so much he drives people crazy. He's a communicator. He shows up. He's available. He's verbal. He works well with his coach and the staff, and that's the difference. You get a lot of the greatness of Kawhi, but he deals with people. And right now, Jimmy Butler is the scariest guy in the Eastern Conference. Tatum, let's be honest, do we trust him late? Embiid's banged up again. Giannis doesn't have the variety of ways to score that Jimmy Butler can. And Jalen Brunson's fantastic, but he's just smaller. There's limitations around the rim. Jimmy Butler is it. He is doing this playing with four undrafted guys. Think about that. Four undrafted players, two undrafted starters, and they've got Milwaukee, the number one seed, absolutely on the brink. I don't know if Milwaukee can win three straight games. I don't know if they can. I I watched that game last night. 
How can a how can a champion be that nervous and that out of sorts late? I don't care if it's on the road. You're going up against undrafted guys. What's amazing about Butler and the Heat is is that they were the worst regular season offense, and right now they're currently the best postseason offense facing a top defensive team. Uh, here's Jimmy after. I love the com- like the competitive aspect of it. I guess um, I think this is where all the like best players they just they show up and they show out and I'm not saying I'm one of those best players I just want to be looked as um, looked at as such and um, I just go out there and I compete I want to do everything for my team to win along with everybody else on this roster um, I think coach Pat and, 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 and Spo wanted me here for a reason I feel like this is part of that reason uh, he really matches the intensity of the franchise I've said this for years it's hard to be intense in Miami the beach, the aqua water, it's sunny every day. It just screams, grab your sandals and a book and head to the water. Uh, Butler is perfect, though. He is an old-school grinder. Um, you know, and Dwayne Wade, by the way, was perfect. Went to a small school, Marquette, always trying to prove people wrong. There's a certain kind of player. I was, I was told this by an NFL GM years ago. The Dolphins have to draft maturity. Because if you're marginally immature, you will not work in Miami. It's too distracting. That's why D'Angelo Russell the first time didn't work here and maybe not work this time. Immature guys get distracted. Butler and D-Wade are old school, engaged, and committed. <laughs> I don't even know what I watched last night. Sitting there on the treadmill, I'm like, Milwaukee is melting in Miami and couldn't be happier because, you know, this is such a great franchise. And Jimmy Butler, he is one of those great players. Right now in the East, it's the last guy I want to face. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. Great game indeed. Oh. Jimmy Buckets. It was, you and I were texting. It's like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. Well, on back-to-back nights now, we've seen teams totally collapse leading late. I mean, the Denver Nuggets storm back against Minnesota. And then Miami against Milwaukee. I just, how do you go on a 12 nothing run in like the final two minutes? Ask yourself this. There are losses, and then there are losses that like leave a mark culturally. Yeah. Like I'm watching that game last night, and I'm like, can Milwaukee recover yeah. from that? And Giannis had a triple-double, too. It's not like he played bad coming Brooke back. Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez had like 36, something like that. It's where, like, was, where was your guy Middleton last night? Well, I think we've we've acknowledged he came into the season hurt. They're going to, they have to move off that, or he's... I mean, he vanished. Yeah, and Drew Holiday could not stop. Nobody could stop Jimmy Butler. Oof. Uh, All right, first up, not great news, Colin. This happened right after we uh, exited the show yesterday. De'Aaron Fox, the tremendous guard from the Sacramento Kings, has a fractured tip of his left index finger. It looked like it happened on that drive to the hoop. He starts shaking his hand. He's listed as doubtful for Game 5. That is extremely disappointing. If he plays, well, he's going to need a protective covering on his finger. He's obviously lefty. You know, this here's is, the thing, too. I, I, I don't know if you you believe this. I think Sacramento looks like the baby Warriors, but the Warriors have about one more guy that can hit a three. I kind of feel like Sacramento, to be a championship team, needs like one more 16-point-a-game guy, like to infuse. What they can't lose is De'Aaron Fox. Damn. Like Golden State, if you told me Clay wasn't playing, I'd be like, okay, I, I've got Jordan Poole. I've got guys that can hit baskets. Like they, their margins in Sacramento offensively, they're a very good team. But between the pacing, the maturity, and his ability to get a basket from anywhere, 
it's 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 a huge loss. For it, them. I mean, sac- there was a, there's an extra day before Game Five, so that kind of favors the Warriors. Steph Curry's old. And now the bad news with Fox's finger. I don't know, man. I, I thought the Kings were in great shape. This is obviously hey, but, terrible. But let's be honest. I don't want to hear any excuses. Draymond and Gary Payton were both out. Their top two defenders for game three. Bro, and the Warriors. Not because of injury. He is stupidity. Well, well, stopping well, but they were out, and the Warriors had their best defensive performance. Great teams overcome. I don't care if it's the 98 Bulls and Rodman. Great teams overcome. Gary Payton playing like 15 minutes a night is not the same as De'Aaron Fox. I hear excuses. Oh, come on. I'll just point out one number for you. You're going to love this. So the Warriors in the series with Steph Curry on the floor, they are plus 45. Steph Curry off the floor, minus 38. Basically, they can't do anything when he goes to the bench for a breather. Yeah, so for all all the Jordan Poole fanboys... I like Poole a lot. Yeah, but he is a starter for the Orlando Magic. He is not a starter for an elite team in the NBA. He's too goofy and unpredictable and inconsistent. One thing to watch, Sabonis attempted 16 free throws in the two games at home. They go to Golden State, he attempts two free throws. The officiating got fair. Or is he dinged up when Draymond Green stomped on him? Stomped on him? He stomped on him! What are you talking about? It's the Draymond stomp game. It's real. Don't defend your guy. All right, next up. Oh, geez, the paper clips. They've officially ruled Kawhi Le- I'm sorry for laughing. Kawhi Leonard's out for game five. I mean, you, you're Steve Ballmer, J-Mac. You own a sports franchise. I'm Steve Ballmer? I'm, so like, I'm, I'm going to walk off the set right now and just spend money. <laughs> if you were Steve Ballmer, though, this is the tipping point. This series is like, okay, I'm done with it. I've done this for four years. Steve Ballmer's legendarily known for getting on stage at Microsoft, his first big press conference with the Clippers. He's a highly emotional guy. He loves basketball. He's a great owner. He Ballmer loves basketball. You know what he doesn't love? When great basketball players are consistently unavailable. If you're going to do load management, this is not how it ends. Can I get a definition on knee sprain? What the hell is that? A knee sprain and he's missing three straight games? Listen, I'm sorry. I, I know players get injured. It's just so weird how Jimmy Butler always plays through pain. Some of these guys are warriors. And it's, I feel bad bagging on him. But anyways, uh, here's Ty Lue making it clear at practice that this is not a case of load management. He's definitely hurt. Like, he's not – it's not load management where he's taking time off, you know. Um, he's shown, you know, in his, in his past that he's played through – injuries in the, in the playoffs and so if it's something you can't play through then you know it has to be pretty serious and so um you know we're not talking about he's sitting out because he's low man's or he's tired or nothing like that like it's it's a um actual thing you know so what the outside is saying like who cares so with Darren fox we got an image of him attacking the hoop getting hit on the hand and then he's shaking his hand you know like we know that's where he got hurt show me the play where Kawhi's even touching his knee and not feeling great or getting balky or limping off. This still doesn't exist. Like, what is going on? Well, that's what I've been told for the better part of two years, is that what is going on is the constant question. Yeah, I've, I've said before, Kawhi should wear, like, the Riddler's uniform question with mark. question marks on it. <laughs> like, nobody really knows. Everything's a mystery. He's an the, unorthodox personality. Yeah. Do you remember the end in San Antonio where he was actually, like, practicing with the team and Tony Parker gave interviews where he's like, yeah, I mean, he looks good out there practicing with us and then he's just not playing in games. I, maybe it's a mental thing. Kind of stinks because talent-wise, 
you know, this guy's oh, pretty he's, damn talented. He, he he's a is, top 10 player in the league when he's healthy, but... He's Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's, he's like Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a available. real dog yeah. and, and always wants And it, by wants the way, Jimmy Butler plays hurt, I've been told, all yeah. the time. Jimmy Butler's never 100%. He's always dinged up. And that's the kind of thing you can't... There's no scouting report. You know the draft is this week. You can't get in the heads of these guys and know who really, really, well, some really guys have is going to play through it. Some guys have different pain tolerance. I mean, Jimmy Butler's been banged up in his career. You cannot play as hard as Jimmy Butler and be 100% healthy in the playoffs. It's impossible. There's too many collisions. Dwayne Wade was never healthy by year four in the NBA. You can't hit the floor like Dwayne. You can't play defense like Dwayne Wade and wake up and like, I'm 100%. Like at some point, it's like Trent Dilfer once told me in the NFL, by October 1st, nobody plays at 100%, including punters and quarterbacks. Something's pulled, something's sore, something's not right. All right, final story, NFL draft. I, I don't really know where to go with this, Colin, but Will Levis, something's going on. Somebody's messing with the betting markets. According to Fox Bet. Will Levis's odds to be the first pick overall have improved. Last night he was plus five thousand, no shot. This morning, plus two thousand. Now they're at plus five fifty. Now let's be real: limits are very low at all these places. You can't go and put ten thousand dollars down on this. I don't even think you can put five thousand dollars. A lot of it's like two hundred fifty so bucks, so five hundred bucks. So where is this offshore? Who's who's coming up with these lines? This is Foxbet. So this is Foxbet. Okay, so somebody knows that stuff. Lines don't move like this unless there's like LeBron's out of a game. Well, there was one report I saw, and again, who knows the credibility of it, but that uh, Will Levis is telling people, I should be the number one pick. I'm going to be the number one pick. Like, he's that confident of a guy. We know that because he's taking bathroom selfies when he's shirtless and stuff. But this seems a little silly, right? Like, let's just start the draft at two. And, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, you know, he's gone on the record like, it would be like a, a massive shocker if Will Levis goes second, much less first. So I'm not putting a lot of stock in this. It is the silly season. I don't know, Colin. You, you. I think Bryce Young should and will go number one. Right. And I think we need a camera on you for the first and second pick because if Will Levis <laughs> goes that high, <laughs> I don't know. you might have to do bathroom selfies just like <laughs> to pay off a better. I mean, like, Colin, this is getting a little weird. Like, it's a 500 quarterback in the SEC who threw for 100 yards against Vanderbilt in a loss. I know. Like, Didn't have a lot to work with, but that's fair. Right. I, I called two different executives in the league and asked their opinion. Just said, what do you think? And all of them say, even with time to throw, he he falls in love with his arm. Now, he loves his is, arm. It, you know who the comp is? Is Jay Cutler. Oh, Is gosh. that a, a big arm, SEC. Big arm, big problem. Well, Big arm, SEC, non-football power, blew everybody away, but kind of an enigma as a guy. Yeah, and remember w- the playoff game? Uh, Bears playoff game? Yeah, and, 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 just, well, and also he, Jay he, Cutler was like, how can a guy off. be that smart, smart guy, and be that difficult and have that yeah. little self-awareness? One of the knocks on Will Levis is, you know, he's a really smart kid. Mom went to Yale, and yet his judgment. So he and Cutler are are kind of the comps. You get this big SEC guy to non-football power with a huge arm, and he's a bright guy, and then sometimes you look at his yeah. self-awareness and judgment, and you're like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen big arms in the league before. Jamarcus Russell had a big arm. Yeah, big arm doesn't. I'll just say this last thing. Usually when there's this much smoke around one player, something's going on with another player. Who are they trying to protect? We've seen a lot of C.J. Stroud bashing in the last, like, 10 days. Is somebody putting everybody onto Will Levis because they like Stroud? 
or maybe they like Anthony Richardson. Ah. I think that's probably where this no, is going. I think you're right. That's I, I, interesting. I can't imagine somebody this yeah, in the love old with magician. Look over here. Yes, a little misdirection. Very interesting. I think Indianapolis is at the root of all this. I would agree with you. I think the Colts want one of these guys, Stroud or Levis. Or Richardson. I think I think the Colts are... Hey, can you uh, text your buddy Ballard? Does he, can he come on the <laughs> he, show today? He is he available? Not, Chris is not going to talk for the next five days. He hides. Okay. Uh, J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd So I was going to, at the top of next hour, I was going to take, as of this morning, based on your O-line, your coach, your coordinator, your health, your age, who are the 10 best quarterbacks in the AFC? Just to give you an idea of how good the quarterback play is in the AFC. It is. We started doing the list today. It's crazy. I think only one or two NFC quarterbacks could make the top ten in the AFC. Can you give a tease? Is Rogers top five? I'm not going to get into that stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't. There's no. Be patient. You got your quarterback. Just be patient. Be sure to catch live editions of the Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up on Game. What is Up on Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Saturday Baseball heats up with an NL East rivalry. Ronald Acuna and the Braves take on Pete Alonso and the Mets, or the Cubs take on the Marlins. It all goes down Saturday at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on Fox. So uh, Aaron Rodgers now leaves Green Bay, and you know it's pretty remarkable that you go from a Brett Favre to an Aaron Rodgers. Um, it is absolutely striking to me. I wrote down the numbers this morning. How similar... Farb and Rodgers were. Now, it's a bit more of a passing league, and that has to be considered a little. Uh, the NFC over the last three or four years has really deteriorated, so Aaron got a little weaker NFC. For a lot of Farb's run, the NFC felt like the better conference. But if you match their stats up, uh, you know, it's amazing. So Aaron has a slight edge in passing touchdowns, a slight edge in winning percentage, uh, Favre, a slight edge in wins and losses in the playoffs. Aaron, a slight edge in MVPs. Again, Aaron played in a little bit more of an offensive league. I always preferred Aaron over Favre because I thought he, he was a more efficient quarterback. I thought the gunslinger stuff was good to sell Wrangler jeans and Fords. But in the end, I want my quarterback not making big mistakes in big games. Um, but it's interesting. Both dominated average divisions. Both eventually traded to the Jets. Both left Green Bay with one Super Bowl and a prickly relationship with the front office. Both were replaced by a late first-round quarterback pick. Uh, Both watched the Packers overwhelmingly draft defensive players in the first round. Uh, Both won a Super Bowl after huge free agent signings. Reggie White got Favre a Super Bowl. Charles Woodson got Aaron Rodgers a Super Bowl. Uh, Both could be their own worst enemy. Favre the gunslinger. Uh, sometimes didn't want to be coached, uh, kind of doing his own thing, ad-libbing, spilling a lot of paint as an artist. And Aaron could be difficult, not committed in the off-seasons, uh, picked his favorites, wide receivers, tight ends, teammates. Uh, both were their own worst enemy. Both overwhelmingly had offensive coaches, never had an owner. Both had to deal with the reality of Green Bay football, which is very rarely uh, are you going to attain the top free agents on the market. I mean, they dealt with the same stuff. It's not like they had one guy had all defensive coaches and one guy had all offensive coaches. They had the same support system. Neither one of them, I mean, Brett Favre remarkably had very few great wide receivers. Aaron probably with Devontae Adams had the best receiver either one ever had. But again, Aaron often did it you know, with some Alan Lazards and uh, some lower round offensive linemen. I, I just think it's incredibly striking how similar their careers are. And I've always called it uh, the Green Bay quarterback syndrome uh, because it's the smallest city in all of American professional sports. 
you are so big and so important, combine that with no owner, in that you kind of are the most powerful, leveraged, popular quarterback in the league. Wisconsin doesn't have a lot of celebrities. <laughs> Green Bay's got none except usually the star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And I think psychologically, um, you start feeling that power. You start feeling how valuable you are. Favre, about four years before he left, was said publicly, I don't want to make changes. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm thinking about retirement. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, last four years, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I want my Randall Cobbs. I want my old quarterback coach. Make sure you take care of David Bakhtiari. And uh, you know what I mean? I'm kind of half committed in the offseason. It's just incredibly striking how similar they are. Brian Gutenkunst helps run the Packers, talks about life without Aaron. I have so much respect for for Aaron and, and the, not only the person but the player that he is, and, and there's so much gratitude in what he's done for this organization. Um, again, it would be it would have been nice to have those conversations, but at the same time, um, over the last few years, I kind of understood that that you know may not happen. Um, so it's different, and like I said, that would probably hit me a little bit at, at some other juncture when I don't have a lot on my plate. Uh, I'll tell you, when I look at this, I know everybody's getting worked up, but there is something about Aaron that is true. Um, he was better as, uh, you know, if you go look to his first year starting with Green Bay, despite being in the system for three years, he was six and 10. He lost a lot of close games, but he was six and 10. He wasn't great his first year as a starter. Then his first year with uh, Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett, uh, they won a lot of games, but he wasn't dialed in as much as he was the following year. So there's a lot of new parts here. There's a new locker room, a new city, a new coach. It's the same offensive system, but it's new teammates. And so Aaron's gotten to a point that he's, I don't know if he's like Favre stubborn, but he's sort of Favre reluctant where he just doesn't want to do new stuff and he doesn't want to deal with new teammates. He said he was 90% into retirement. That's what he said. So I, I, I think my, I wish and I hope Aaron stays for two years because I think it's going to be a little turbulent year one. I do not believe the New York media, which leans left, the media leans left, I lean left, and it always has. Just be honest about this stuff. Fox News is an outlier. Most media is moderate to left, and they're going to attack him for the vaccine stuff. No, they're not, and here's why. Because he's going to win games. The bottom line is Aaron... You're going to go from Zach Wilson and Mike White to Aaron Rodgers. Every day is going to be a parade. Every day is going to be a win. There's going to be so many fascinating stories. People are like, how is he going to handle the media? Remember, it's different in Major League Baseball where you know the media is around the batting cage every day. The media only gets their shots at Aaron Rodgers once a week. And increasingly, pro athletes go onto YouTube shows. They do their own thing. They don't need the media. Aaron's going to be fine with the media He's going to do just fine. It's going to be bright blue skies every day. There's going to be a lot of positive air and stuff. You know, New York sports, I did this the other day. Since 2000, the state of California has got 36 championships. New York's got five, and the football team's playing Jersey. They don't win a lot. The Yankees have been disappointing for 10 years. The Knicks are usually a tire fire. The fact that they lead a series, they're throwing parties on the streets in New York, getting out of the first round. Brooklyn's a chronic, perpetual mess. The Jets, the Detroit Lions have, I think, played two or three playoff games since the Jets were last in it. 
Jacksonville's won three playoff games since the Jets were last in it. So I think the the arrival of Aaron, um, you know, if you look at the history of New York stars, this feels a little bit like A-Rod to New York. So the people that have succeeded in New York, Derek Jeter, Eli Manning, Aaron Judge, a lot of these guys are small-town kids who do not get distracted. They're very, very close to their family. Jeter and his family, um, you know, Eli Manning and his family, Aaron Judge, small-town kids, not distracted, not into the New York nightlife. They grew up in small towns. They're a little intimidated initially by all that stuff. They lean heavy into their family. They can talk a lot, but they don't say anything. That's what succeeds in New York. What doesn't necessarily succeed in New York to the level you think is somebody that loves the big city and has viewed themselves as a star. Jeremy Shockey, A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. When you come into New York and you're an established star and you got your commercials and you're already a big name, it's usually not quite as successful. Now, A-Rod obviously won a World Series with the Yankees, but A-Rod was a star before he got there. Brett Favre was a star before he got there. By the way, Carmelo Anthony was a star before he got there. A lot of the stars pre-New York, you don't quite get what you think you're going to get. It's the small-town kids who lean into their family. They don't get caught up in the lifestyle. They go over to Jersey. They buy a couple of acres. They hide. They go to the ballpark. They don't care about the media. They smile. They're gracious with their time, and they don't say anything. That's Jeter, that's Eli, that's Aaron Judge. By the way, that's kind of Chad Pennington was a little like that. Mark Sanchez came out of flashy USC, did a GQ spread, and there was a lot of distractions. So my take is Aaron will be treated well because he's so great and they're just starving for wins. But the history of New York is when you're a star before you get there, uh, (laughs) it can be a little turbulent expectations are higher you kind of lean into that stuff and i'm i'm fascinated to watch it so quick note listening to what you just said about rogers and excitement last year he had young wide receivers in green bay he was not excited to work with them now yeah. is that more about management never giving him what he wanted i know he got cobb but what's your concern level i mean the no, jets no, have a lot one of the no. youngest offensive skill position no, group in the league yeah that's That's why I don't get this Mahomes-Joe Burrow stuff. Tom Brady never got criticized for it. But LeBron doesn't like playing with young guys. Peyton Manning didn't. Brady didn't. Like these highly intellectual athletes who have systems, they don't want to deal with 22-year-olds. Yeah, uh, Tom Brady didn't want the the, the, the slot receivers they've got. Hey, bring in my guy Antonio Brown. So how do the Jets solve this? DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, to me, that's where I'm headed. Yeah, I mean, I would go get a veteran wide receiver, but I mean, let's not just blame Aaron. Brady didn't like young guys. Brady liked his guys. LeBron doesn't like young guys. Peyton Manning liked his guys. These highly intellectual athletes who come in, they don't want to be teachers. They don't want to be mentors. They want to win games right now. They don't want to. They want to teach you how to run the right route. Hour number two, live in LA. It's the herd. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.